Good morning. Today I'm going to be teaching on thinking on whatsoever is good. I trust this is going to impact your life. That is what a lot of us need every day because we are bombarded with so many negative things in this world. Not because there is a shortage of positive things, but simply because humans want to preserve their own life. Therefore, they must identify where the threat is, focus on the threat, eliminate the threat so that they can have peace. And then the human mind is so many times just looking for what can harm us so that we can keep ourselves safe. Now, there are so many positive things that we can think of in this world things that go well, things that go for us. And above that and greater than that is even what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just need to be reminded to think about what is good. Something like the old song that says, count your blessings, count them one by one. Somebody was mocking one day and said, don't count them one by one. You're not supposed to have a one by one blessing. You need to have, sounds like some prosperity preacher that would have said that, but count your blessings. And I think count them one by one, even if it takes eternity, because as you look at every good thing that God has brought you, it just keeps your mind at the place where God wants you to be. It keeps you in a, a positive mindset. And that is what is supposed to be the case. Many times we look at negative things. Many times we focus at what goes wrong, what costs us money. We think of our political situation. We think of our leaders. And the news media is so good to help us to focus our mind on that which is negative, drawing on that instinct that the human has to protect his own life, telling them this is harmful, this is harmful. You know, as we are just normal human beings in the flesh, what I talk about in the flesh, talk about just living in this normal worldly nature, we have to, uh, uh, you know, we have to look at what can harm us to eliminate that, get that out of the way so that we can be safe. Focusing on what is positive would be seen as a waste of time because the subconscious already says that cannot harm you and because it cannot harm you, there's no need to put attention to that. So if the news media only have positive news, nobody would watch it. They would go and look for what is negative or what can harm them, focus on that so that they can then make sure that their lives are safe. For us in Christ to understand that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ, we know that we are always safe. We know that we cannot protect our own lives or even uh, add one inch to our stature. We already know that we cannot change our the color of our hair. Well, we can do it by dye, with dyeing it, but you just wait a month and you'll see it already becomes gray again. We cannot change those things. Uh, and we realize that eternal life is in Jesus. So for us, those who truly know who they are in Christ will find it much easier to veer away from these negative things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a focus on what Jesus has done for us, 
who we are in Jesus Christ, and then take it from there. Now, when you talk about thinking positively or thinking of what is good, there is one scripture in the Bible that stands out, and that is Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read from verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, what is what Paul is saying here is he's speaking in general, but he also addresses something that was an issue in that day. When the the people were persecuted, when they were oppressed by Rome and oppressed by Christians were oppressed by the Sanhedrin, they were oppressed by people like Saul of Tarsus, where in they would be killed for their faith. And when they were oppressed, and I think what he's alluding to here is definitely what Rome does to people, to Christians, and also to the Jewish nation, where Rome in that time had Caesar worship as something that you had to do. So the Jews were to a certain degree basically uh, liberated from that. They didn't have to. They could worship their own God because they just refused to worship any other gods. But back in that day, all the other religions were forced to do Caesar worship. And here we find that... um, there can be a lot of Gentiles that when they became Christians, they were still forced to pay tribute to Caesar in some form or a fashion, not talking about taxes, but talking about Caesar worship. We need to understand in Jesus' time, when, and just past Jesus' time, early church time, Caesar worship was growing much faster than what Christianity was growing. So there were people that were oppressing Christians, and Jews were also oppressed. And I believe this saying is so true. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So what what he was basically saying is, don't be worked up by this uh, pressure that comes from Rome. Don't be worked up by the negative news on what they've done again and all of that. As what we today have all the time in the news media. Back then, I don't think it was as much as what we have it today. Today, by simply just uh, going onto a news app or watching messages that people send to you on a regular basis, you can be over-informed. You can have too much knowledge about things. I think that to a certain degree, there's too much knowledge out there we, what we need to know as Christians mainly is what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And that is true information. Now, I'm not saying that information about your business, information about uh, uh, money and economy and all those kind of things is not any information. But true information that will prolong your life and preserve your life forevermore is what Jesus Christ has done, the message about the gospel. That is true, true information. Uh, You know, we can, and I've spoken to somebody in the week, 
And he said that he focuses on bringing awareness on what's going on in the world. And therefore, he uses his public platforms and all of those kind of things to put a lot of uh, news and those kind of things onto the public platform, sending emails to people, informing them because people need to be informed. I then asked him and said to him, listen, what about informing people about Jesus Christ? What about informing, because this person is a Christian, what about bringing true awareness, awareness of God's presence in the earth, awareness of what is good, awareness of what can get your mind to truly go to rest in the midst of what is not so uh, logical um, as pertaining to bringing of peace. So here Paul comes, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? It means that we see the Lordship of Christ, what that means, to the point that it brings joy to our hearts. So let God be great in your heart. Let what God says be of utmost importance in your life. And as we see what Jesus does as Lord, we will find it brings peace to us. So what does it mean when we say that Jesus is Lord? We say that he died, that he rose again, that he's seated at the right hand of God, and that the spirit that gives him life is upon us from where we have life. From that foundation, we have everything that pertains to life, life in this world and eternal life, as well as a godly life. So whatever we need, we have been provided provided in Jesus Christ. That sounds, as what somebody said to me also earlier this week, is that, Bertie, you are too heavenly minded, and that brings you to a place where you don't care about earthly things, and you know earthly good as, as, as pertaining to that. We cannot just talk about Jesus. We cannot just say Jesus is Lord. God is good. He gives life. It's only by grace. In him your life consists. You need to become real. You need to care about the things of the, this world and start to practically do something. Sorry, I'm really getting, uh, I'm seeing it's, it's if, if this was a normal service, the people in the front row would have been anointed. Uh, so, I mean, so many times we think of those things and we think, well, we need to be more uh, earthly minded and not so much heavenly minded. But we're going to see what the Apostle Paul says about these things. Uh, even if you write, if you read Paul's writings, uh, I don't see him being very earthly minded at all in his letters. I see him as being minded of Christ and then telling the people what they can expect from Christ in their own lives. And that was the focus he had. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all people. So what he was basically saying in the context, this is what I want to get at. Don't get so upset and so angry with this, the things that's going on in the world. Just be gentle. It's okay. Uh, the Lord is coming. The, the, the Lord is near. So what they were believing back then and the way they lived was don't worry so much about what's going on with the systems of this world because the coming of the Lord is near. It is true that Paul and the people of his day for a great period of their life believed that Jesus was going to come in their lifetime. 
Now, they lived lives as if Jesus was going to come in their lifetime. And that is what is given to us and the context wherein all of these scriptures are written. So I think that it was, in God's mind, good that people that wrote the scriptures wrote it from the perspective and the reality as if Jesus is going to come in their lifetime. Because that would get your mind away from what is not so necessary unto that which is truly necessary. Okay, now, 2,000 years later, it's very difficult to think of Jesus coming in our lifetime. We are thinking of, uh, you know, we can, what about our kids and our grandkids and their kids and so forth? Because we see that Jesus Christ has not come in the lifetimes of everybody that lived before us. So there's a very big chance that he will not come in our lifetime. But that can get us to a place where we take our focus off Jesus Christ and we put our focus back onto uh, our lives as if, as what the people that didn't believe in Jesus lived. Everything is about what we can do now for the people that will uh, uh, uh be left behind, uh, you know, after we have passed away. Everything is about your life in this world because this is all you have. There's nothing more. And we can be tempted to think like the world. But I do believe the scripture says here that uh, be gentle to all people, even these people that you think is taking away your future. Be gentle to them. The Lord is near. So the way wherein we live is with a mindset that Christ is everything and he's going to come back in our lifetime. Now, I must be honest, if I think about myself, I don't think Jesus Christ is going to come back in my lifetime. Somebody say about it, but that is wrong. You should think that way. Well, if I must just be honest on what I truly believe in my heart, I don't even think Jesus is coming back in the lifetime of my kids and their kids. It might still take a long time. That's, that's what I'm thinking. So I don't live with this end-of-the-world mentality. But what I do live in is that the, there was an end-of-the-world system and an end of finding life by the world system. doesn't matter how long I live in this world. I know that my life is born from Jesus and that everyone that will be born after me that believes my children and their, their children as they believe in Jesus, the very, very same Lord that gave me life in this world and that cared for me in this world is also their God. So I know, or this is what I think, is that uh, Jesus, I can't say I know, I think, you know, this is what I and persuaded of in my heart at this moment, is that Jesus will not come back in my lifetime or that of my kids or their kids. I think it can still take a long time. Uh, but I am sure that the world and its systems has ended for me. I now live from the reality of the kingdom of God, although I live in this world. It might be that there will be many generations still living in this world without the bodily return of Jesus Christ. Okay, so next thing here, he says, do not be anxious about anything. He says, rejoice in the fact that Jesus is Lord. And I believe that's how we also get it right, not to be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, pre present your request to God. So what 
it is um, what I see there is many times we pray and we want to present it to God so that God can do something uh, about it. But I also like to think of it this way. I, when I have a problem, I present the problem to God. In other words, I introduce that problem to God. I, in another, another way of saying it, I present God to that problem. Now, that is what I do in everyday life. And I do believe this will help you. Whenever you go through anything, don't be anxious about that. But in prayer, present that to God or present God to it. I think what Paul was saying here was can be better understood in our language is like, man, take it to God. In other words, put that in front of the judgment of God and what God says about that. So that is how we are anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. I so wish I, I checked that word in the Greek before, that word anxiety there. But we know what anxiety is, but I'm sure there's something deeper into that, uh, in that. Okay, it says here, as we make everything known unto God in prayer, what it basically does, what we do is, we take the resurrected Jesus, his rulership, his power, and as we go with this situation to him, we bring every thought captive to the lordship of Jesus Christ. As we do that, we find, as the scripture says, the peace of God, the tranquility that comes from God, which transcends all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ. Okay, so what is the peace of God that transcends all understanding? It is the message of the, resur the, the, the cross, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was above all teachings that there was of that time. It was above all logic that there was politically in that time. And it it was just greater than all the understandings that there was in the world. I believe that's what it means contextually. But I also believe in the here and now and everyday life, there is an, uh, uh, a belief in Jesus that transcends the understandings that we have right now in this sense that we understand that econom economy is collapsing. We understand that stimulus packages of trillions are being printed and that our money is losing its value. We understand that, uh, you know, when we think of the world and we just in our countries allowing immigrants just to come in from everywhere, that our people are going to lose their jobs. We understand that. We there's so many things that people that we understand in this world. We understand that if one nation continues to irritate another nation, that is going to lead to wars. We understand that should we uh, lean towards communism, that it cannot work. Uh, others, other people, their understanding is the more capitalistic we become, the more oppression there'll be. There, there's certain understandings that we have. But listen to what he says here. He says, when you take it to God and you start to see the resurrected Jesus, what Jesus Christ has done, 
who you are in him, it says then the peace of God that is greater than understanding, that transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. So there might be an earthly, worldly understanding that says that you're not going to make it. Now, the Bible doesn't say that God is changing that. It just says that the peace of God, the, the union that you have in with God in Christ, transcends that understanding, and then it will guard your heart, what you believe, and it will guard your mind against the negative input and the uh, giving birth of anxiety that comes from that earthly, worldly understanding. That's just the way it is. In South Africa, we've got a, uh, a variant, I don't know what it's called, of the COVID virus. So South Africans are basically locked out of most countries in the world. Now, I would love to travel and preach the gospel uh, this year and next year. Now, if I look at the normal understanding about these things, normal understanding tells me you're not going to travel this year. You're just going to be at home for another year. <laughs> normal understanding tells me we're not going to have church services this year because of our building and how things work and the laws, we're not going to have services. We're going to continue with our Zoom services. That, that's how we're going to do it. Now, my union with God in Christ is greater and my peace, my union with God in the bodily resurrected Jesus and the hope that I have from that transcends this knowledge that I have of what's going to happen with the COVID. And when I think of the future of the ministry, it is not now anymore bound. My heart and my mind is now protected uh, from thinking inside the parameters of fleshliness and how a ministry runs should you use the arm of the flesh. I'm protected from that. And this is what the scripture is basically saying. So he says here, that when we present our request to God, when we are saying, God, this is what we are going through, this is where we are, and we present it to God, we hear God talking about that in the form of the resurrected Jesus, and he offers his peace to us. So let's read it again. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, listen to it this way. You come to God, you tell him about your situation. You behold him in absolute peace. And the fact that God has got peace about this and that his peace transcends whatever case we've put in front of him he still has peace so in other words he's not stressed out about the situation the fact that God has peace about it will then protect your mind and your heart meaning what you think and basically what you believe so let me put it this way 
If I take uh, in South Africa, we started again with these uh, load shedding where they cut the electricity uh, certain times of the day, then you don't have electricity. Now, if you have a business and you need to run a business, like my one friend, I mean, they make these aluminum window frames and their power is just off the whole day. And the costs of generators in South Africa, because of this, is just skyrocketed. It is way, way more expensive than what it becomes unaffordable, especially if you're thinking of a, a 50 kilo kVA generator with auto start and those things which they need, three phase and what. It's so expensive. But if my friend would take the situation to God and he would look at God still having peace, the peace of God in the midst of this problem. The fact that God has peace will get his heart at a place where he will not, from anxiety, make decisions on what to do next, but that he will know God is at peace. Man, I can go and buy the generator. Or God is at peace. We're just cutting down on jobs a bit and budgeting better or whatever it would be. The peace of God, which would transcend the understanding that brings anxiety, will then guard your mind and your heart. Read it again. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in other words, God has got peace about your future in Jesus. So whenever you bring a problem to Jesus, or to God, what is he going to show you? He's going to show you that he is at peace about your situation in the fact that Jesus was bodily raised. Glory to God. And that is what Colossians also talks about. If we go to Colossians um, chapter 2, and we can read it this way. I read it from, from verse, chapter 2 from verse 8, sorry there. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through a hollow, deceptive philosophy or thinking. So you can be taken captive through hollow philosophies and thinking. Hollow political philosophies, hollow thinking. Don't be taken captive by those things. Those things depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world and they're not mindful of Christ. So if somebody comes to you with hollow, th this is what God calls these things that make people so afraid. He calls it hollow. It's hollow beliefs that's formed on the traditions of man and the systems of the world. It's just hollow. It's not focused on Christ. It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. So in Christ is the fullness of the Godhead in a bodily form. And if you are in Christ, you are now faced with ending up the way Jesus ended up in glorified form bodily. 
when God beholds, when you bring your problem, let's say this is your problem, you bring it to God. God beholds your problem. God then beholds Jesus. We find that God is it at peace. Now, the peace that God has in Christ or in what he sees in Christ, that will guard your heart and your mind. So what do we do when we go to uh, uh, in, in prayer before God, we actually going to discover how at peace God is, and when we see God is at peace about this, in because of Christ, that peace will guard our hearts and our minds. Man, I'm enjoying this message. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Right. <clears throat> The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, this is Philippians 4, 7, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Anything else is hollow. Only what is worthy of praise, worthy of Christ and what he's done, whatsoever is good, think on those things. So, he comes to a conclusion here. He says, let's rejoice in the Lord. We take our issues to God, we present our God to our issues or we bring our issues to the presence of God, we then behold the peace that God has about the situation as we are inside that peace and knowledgeable about why God is peaceful in Christ, from there we now only meditate on whatsoever is good, whatsoever is of good report, and all those kind of things. Let us as the church not be the, be the spreaders of bad news. Let us as the church not be the spreaders of the, or the people that spread the um, conspiracy theories. That is not our job. It is not our job as the church to uh, think that it's a good action to bring awareness of everything that's bad so that we can have knowledge about that, so that we can protect ourselves. Yeah, I mean, there is those arguments. I've spoken to many people thinking that it's necessary to point out every negative thing and then thinking, out, thinking that that is our Christian duty so that we can pray about these things, thinking that our prayers is now going to change the whole world, and that it is our obligation to change the world through prayers. If that's what you think, you need to go and listen to one of my messages where I, where I preach about uh, the impossibility to change the world. I think I preached it in a, a, about a month ago. So go and check that out. You cannot change the world. You are saved from the world. And the world, systems and whatever they do, is on a, 
annihilation path, it's going to disappear. It will not be there anymore. It doesn't have eternal life. We are saved from that unto a new mindset, a new way of thinking, a new way of reasoning, which is not of this world and finds its logic inside the basic principles of this world. But we find our logic inside the basic principle that Jesus was raised and since he was raised, we are under that law of life. We also understand that the way people change is by coming to faith in Christ, Christ giving them a new life and then him performing and bringing forth that life and godliness in them by the power of heaven. That is how change happened to people. The world systems does not accept this way. Otherwise, it will, it will not be called the systems of the world. So we need to understand that we cannot change this basic principles of the world. We are only saved from that. So the point that I'm making is we as Christians... We don't have to go and say, have you heard, and then send the next thing. Or, you know what I'm talking about. That is not our job. We are, if we want to send something, send something that is good, that is uplifting, that can rather send a joke, man. Rather send a, 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 a video of that is humorous or something. That's much better than sending the latest conspiracy theory or the latest news event to your friend. And I want to ask you, I mean, many people send those things to me. I don't even read that. You just waste your time. Please do yourself and me a favor and don't send me all the negative news reports, conspiracy theories, and those kind of things. Just a waste of time. I'm not reading that. I don't care about that, even if all of that is true. Uh, you know, I even if I had to read it, the way I'm going to do, what I'm going to do about it is, I'm just going to take it to God. I'm going to see that he's at peace about that. His peace is then going to guard my heart. I'm not going to forward it to anybody. I see no need to bring awareness of all these negative things. I do see a need to bring awareness of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay, now it says here again, finally, brethren, or brothers and sisters, whatsoever is true. Is Jesus true? He is called the truth, man. Uh, whatsoever is noble. What is more noble than someone laying down his life for his brethren, giving eternal life to them? Whatsoever is right. Glory to God. You may, I mean, if I think of this world and I think of what is right, many times we might say, you know, it's not right that uh, 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 these bad things happen to these good people. Now you've already been thinking of what is not right. Think on what is right. Think on what is right. You know, so we so easily think on what is not right. It's not, it's not right. I, I, the other day, um, you know, I saw somebody getting upset because of a, a corrupt police officer. And he says, this is not right. So he's basically thinking, and now you can drive away there looking at what happened there, what, which is not right. And you're thinking of what is not right all the time. Now, if your mind gets captivated by what is not right, take it to God, see his peace about it, and then think on what is right. 
I mean, the other day, I, I mean, I, I got to a police officer, they pulled me over, they checked my license and they let me go. That's right. Someone else was there, unlawfully maybe detained. That's not right. So I'm not going to think of that all day. I take knowledge that it exists, but I'm not going to think of that all day. I'm going to think on what's right. Okay? What happens in the world that is right? Think about that. Many times when we think of what is not right and we think of our ability to change it and we see our inability, we become so despondent and negative and we feel we don't want to even get up in the morning. Here it says, after taking everything to Jesus, now the good that God brings to your mind, meditate on these things. Whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable, if there's anything that is excellent and praiseworthy, think of these things. Let people, if people accuse you, let them accuse you of saying, you know, that guy, he is so heavenly minded. All he does is, he's that stupid guy. You know, he lives like an ostrich with his head in the sand. He only thinks on whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable. If there's anything praiseworthy, you find this idiot only thinking of that. He's not, it's as if he's not even living in this world. Now, please understand where I come from. I mean, I've, I've preached 37 minutes laying a foundation on what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, I mean, my son drove and the rock came and hit, broke the windscreen. Now, that is not good news. I do have to meditate on that in thinking on that thing needs to be fixed and whatever. So yes, there is a normal life we live in this world. But I am not becoming anxious now about that windscreen. Taking it for the repair, it came back. They put the wrong rubber in there. The thing looks bad. It's not right. My son driving the whole rearview rear mirror falling off. Now, I don't have to be anxious about those things. We're just going to take it back. And then what if they cannot repair it? Well, then I look at God and I see he's not stressed about it. And then his peace transcends the understanding that tells me that I'm supposed to be upset. And what, well, they did fix the windscreen, it's perfect, but what if it wasn't? Man, then you drive like that. Are you now going to have your whole life overturned because of that? No, then you thank God that you can drive with a windscreen that's not perfect. Th that's it. We do our best to have it fixed, but we're not going to get an anxious about it. Glory to God. Okay, I want to uh, quickly um, go to Philippians here. Just want to touch on this again. Um, I, you must excuse me. I've preached this message. This is the third time I'm preaching it today, so maybe I have not even mentioned this. But it says here that our citizenship is of heaven and we eagerly await our Savior from there. So what he's saying here clearly, and, and, and it's so beautiful, it says, join together in fellowship of my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have me as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Don't keep, I mean, I, we cannot keep our eyes on people that don't live the way Paul did and Jesus did. 
we look, we keep our eyes on those people. Let me tell you now, no politician lives the way Paul did. For as I am often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destin destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Now, live as if your citizenship is in heaven and take it quite literal. That'll help. It will really, really, really help you. Glory to God. Now, um, I think we can do one more verse. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to um, end off with this. James chapter 1. Sorry. Here it is. It says here, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath or slow to become angry. Now, many of us, we become angry quickly. And I just want to give you the, the context here. The context here in James, and maybe I must preach on this next week more in detail. The context here was Jews being persecuted by um, Gentiles, Rome. And these people then became angry because of this persecution. Then they wanted to stand up in a revolt. And this was the thing that was going about that time. We must stand up. We must overthrow the Roman government and all those kind of things. But inside the prophetic mind of Paul, inside the prophetic mind of Christ and the message that was preached to the apostles was the knowledge that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And the prophetic words that came about on what's going to take place there says, if you see these armies come and, and surrounding you, you guys must run. You guys must not resist. Get out of there. Don't become angry. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. So what he is saying here is, he says, my brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So whenever you think, well, it's time that I get angry a bit and sort stuff out here. Well, you can do that. And it is so that in normal business, sometimes, you know, if the boss has shouted a bit, you find that things, things are better, even if the boss just feels better, even if nothing is better. Um, you know, people got upset and other people also feeling oppressed and other people can start to shout and you can lose faithful workers. And I mean, there's so many things. It says here that the anger of a man, and it uses the word wrath here. It simply wrath there means the uh, the the uh, the destruction basically, or the condemnation, where you want to condemn to destruction. The anger of a man does not work the righteousness of God. Now, when you talk about a holy anger, a holy anger is not when you. A holy anger is when you see the destruction that God brings over the systems of works righteousness. That you can say, yes. But 
a holy anger is not the excuse Christians have to just be find their life born from political systems and this world systems and then slap the name of Jesus on there and then think now that is a, a righteous anger. No, that is not how it works. I mean, I can go into a whole message about that, which I'm not going to go into now. But it says here that the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. What they were thinking is the righteousness of God is going to be produced in protecting Israel from Roman oppression, fighting for is Israelites and the preservation of the temple and getting freedom from Rome. That is what they were thinking. They thought that that is righteous. And now they became angry and upset with Rome and they thought that, well, the righteousness of God is to protect Israel and that's what we're going to do. And they became angry, wanted to take up arms and it, it would be to their own destruction. So I want to say to you, and I want to end off this way. Do not merely listen, verse 22, to the word, the message of the resurrected Jesus, and so deceive yourselves. So don't hear that, well, you're part of a new kingdom, and you only hear that, but you don't have a life that is born from that reality. Now, I'm not saying... Here, see the resurrected Jesus and try and imitate him. I'm saying, listen to the resurrected Christ and who he is to the point that your life is born from it. Do not merely listen to the, to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says like somebody who looks into a mirror and straightway forget what kind of man he is. But he who looks intently into the law of perfect liberation and continues in that truth, not forgetting what kind of man he is, he shall be blessed in that action. Okay, so... Do you want to live a life blessed in this world? Look at who you are in Christ and don't forget that. South Africa, practical example. And, and, and today's message is very practical about practical things. In South Africa, I can, when I look into the, when I look into the resurrection of Jesus, I don't see white or black or any of those things. When I look at this world, I see I live in a world where those things are, and I cannot deny that it is there. And I cannot deny that there is things like discrimination, discrimination against black people and discrimination against white people. It is just like that. I can see it is there. I can, in certain instances, see where I am discriminated against, where I am called the enemy as a so-called white man. But in order for me to call myself white, I have to become and reason inside pre-resurrection flesh, where we also saw Jesus as a Jew. But we don't see Jesus as a Jew today. We see that he is no more Jew, that he is not a Gentile, that he is neither male nor female. 
So when it comes to identity and I take my problem to Jesus and I see the peace that God has about my problem in the face of the man Jesus that shines with the glory of God, I can only walk away and I can only be healed by the knowledge that my true identity is not white. So if this is done towards whites, it's not really done towards me. That might sound like ignorance or foolishness. But if we look at Jesus Christ and how he lived and how he was victorious, his knowledge was the Father and what he saw in the resurrection. And from there he lived and he is sealed into eternal life. And those who called him a fool, they long dead, they dead long ago. They dead and gone forever. But Jesus is still alive. And those who believed upon him, they have the hope of eternal life and shall surely bodily see the full manifestation of what they believed in. Well, that is the message that I have for you today. I trust that this has blessed you and brings your mind to the reality of Jesus Christ. That is all that I will bring uh, um, from this pulpit. I'm not, I don't want to bring anything else. I'm just going to focus on Jesus, the resurrection, what that means, and how we can relate to that. That's all I'm going to preach for the rest of my life. Nothing else. I'm not going to get involved in anything else. If you want that message and you want it on a weekly basis, regular basis, that's all you want to hear, come and listen to that. You can come and slot into this a live stream or listen to my messages on YouTube and get stuck here. Glory to God. Betty, you stuck. Well, the place where I'm stuck is not too bad. Uh, uh, I'm basically stuck where Jesus Christ is stuck. He's stuck in eternal life, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and that is what has been given to us. We have that fullness that belongs to us, and I have full right because of Jesus to meditate and have a life based on that reality and think that way until he comes. Glory to God. Thank you so much that I could just bring you this message that I could serve you today. Feel free to share this message. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, make sure that YouTube knows that you want to see this and then it will bring this message to people like you. It will follow the algorithm and look at people like you, other Christians, and suggest this video to them. Thank you so much. God bless.